Good morning. Welcome to the Friday Morning Show, 88.7 FM, and streaming live on WRHU.org. Eddie Fitz, Sibyl Rattel here. And my goodness, Sibyl, semester's coming to a close. It is almost time for finals, and yet we're still waking up at 8 in the morning to come and, uh, and get to the airwaves. We got finals coming up. What are we still doing here? I know. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking, of course. Uh, but we got a we got a jam packed show. I hope that you had a solid uh, Thanksgiving break. You go home to Jersey. Yeah, I did go home. I got to see my family, so that was nice. I was very sad to leave, um, but I mean, it was good. How was yours? Yeah, I um. So a couple days before I drove back the first time, I was on the call for the men's soccer game against Penn State. Mm-hmm. So that time I had to drive back on Sunday night. And so I left on Wednesday because I'm from like the Penn State area. So I left on Wednesday again to go back five hours, about four and a half hours um, to get back home. So I did like probably close to 15, 20 hours of travel over the last week. Oh um, so and now, <laughs> you know, I'm going to Boston this uh, this weekend to go visit my aunt. Um, man, it's just been it's been crazy. Yeah. And yet, like I said, we still have finals coming up. So I don't know when yeah. I'm going to find time to you know, study and, and do all those things, but life's a batch yeah. of experiences, no? Yeah, I mean, for me, like, as far as studying, like, I'll, we'll just see when we get there. Yep. <laughs> it's one day it sounds about right. at this point. Yeah, uh, are there any finals that you've been, like, stressing out about? Like, do you have, like, a class that's, like, really getting um, at your goat? Actually, not really, because I feel like, for me, I mostly just have to, like, um, write papers instead yeah. of a final, which is always preferred above ac- above an actual test so i don't know like i'm not like as worried as i have been in the past but of mm. course it's like always stressful um as school often is so, <laughs> right yeah. um no i let me tell you this i've got a class this semester where the first two exams were online like open book online um but now for this final, it is cumulative and all in-person on blue bo- oh booklets. No. And so the entire class has been stressing out because we've gotten used to these exams <laughs> like being one way. And now we're going to have to like we've never seen a test from this professor before like this. So like it, it's yeah. it's going to start to to weigh on kids. And I feel like the final grades are going to be a little bit different than uh, than maybe those first couple tests. Um, but that being said, uh you know, we got a lot of great stuff to talk about today. Um, let's start off with the Chris Cuomo story. So over the over earlier this week, uh, CNN uh, anchor Chris Cuomo has been removed or suspended from the television network for his role in aiding his brother and then former governor of New York, Andrew Cuomo, in his allegations of sexual misconduct to just to give you some some ideas as to how this is like changed and developed uh originally chris cuomo admitted that he had given advice to andrew's political aides um but as a result we've seen text messages emails all of these things um for this primetime host have sort of come out um you know in he reportedly offered to his brother's inner circle, uh, offering advice, please let me help with the prep. Um, 
He said he was asked if he could check his sources about a rumor that Politico was working on an article that included additional accusations. Chris said that he was on it. Um, Letita James, the district, account, uh, district attorney of New York, uh, also included a text from Mr. Cuomo to Mrs. De Rosa, sent a few days after a woman and a ruck, told the New York Times that Andrew Cuomo had made unwanted advances towards her at a wedding in New York City. He said, quote, I have a lead on the wedding girl. Um, so my question to you, right, is this is a different role because you and I, you know, we're mm-hmm. journalists. Like, yeah. that's very not ethical from a journalism perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, very much so on the, on the bad side of the ethics scale. Um, but let me ask you, like, I mean, like, this is like essentially you know, your family being accused of something. And so you want to try to do your best to, to mitigate the situation. Um, do you see it from Chris's side at all that he's just trying to help his family? I mean, yeah, I do understand the urge to protect your family. But like you said, as a journalist and even just like as an observer of politics, like I know that there especially needs to be an establishment of boundaries with those, like especially with those two professions. Um, you know, someone who works in news and someone who works in politics, especially like a news anchor of like such high profile. So like, you know, I while I do understand wanting to help your family, it's like you said, very unethical. And also I kind of refuse to sympathize with um, with uh, defenders of yeah. sexual misconduct. Yeah. yeah. No, very difficult sure. to try and give yourself some credibility. Um, he said uh in his first public comments after the Andrew Cuomo resignation he said I'm not an advisor I'm a brother I never attacked nor encouraged anyone to attack any woman who came forward I never made calls to the press about my brother's situation but the testimony and text message released this week suggested that Cuomo did reach out to other journalists when I asked uh when asked I would reach out to sources other journalists to see if they had anybody else coming out so again to me, it's trying to get out ahead of the story. It is trying to to beat it, and so then that way you can strategize from a media perspective on how to how to get through it. And I think that you know partially that's why we saw Cuomo take forever to resign in the first mm-hmm. place. Like he was, I think he was really just trying to wait it out and do a Trump approach. Yeah, I mean it's unfortunate because like it used to be um, kind of funny when like Chris Cuomo, uh, when like Chris Cuomo, Chris. Why can't I say his it's name okay. all of a sudden? It's okay. It's all right. When he would appear on um, CNN and they would kind of have this, like, you know, brotherly banter. Like, it used to be funny. And then, like, um, you know, his Yeah, how bad has that gotten now? How, like, yeah. I don't know if I could watch those scenes yeah, like, anymore. You know what I mean? It's, like, it's tainted, especially when you see that he, like, has his hand in, like, um, helping someone being accused of sexual misconduct, whether that's your family or not. Um, it's probably worse that it's his family. I don't know. But it's just, I don't know. It's very tainted. I mean, CNN isn't typically my choice of, like, um, you know, a news source. But still. All right. Um, we'll talk. We'll use this as, like, our last little point unless you have anything else that you want to talk about. But, again, I think the line that is going to stick out to this is family first, job second. Mm-hmm. Um, and... You know, if, like, you know, we talk about, like, cancel culture and, like, you know, 
all of these things. Do you think that there's some separation between members of the family and then, like, you know, these types of things? Like, do you think that we'll be, like, we could see potentially Cuomo getting back on the air? Or do you think that this is, like, um, just done? I don't know. It's very messed up. Because, like, like I said, especially between, um, you know, news and politics, there needs to be boundaries. Mm-hmm. And this was just, like, it's one of the most, like, unethical things you can do in terms of journalism. Right. So... I don't know that CNN would want to, like, risk their image that much by having him back on. It's true. It's true. Uh, One of the highest rated late night uh, CNN commentators, uh, Chris Cuomo, once again, he has been (laughs) suspended uh, for his alleged role in uh, giving advice to senior political aides of his brother, Andrew Cuomo. so, Bill, we're going to take a quick little break, uh, but right now we've got a Schmavonian report. Uh, Dexter, you are here in the studio with us. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what's going down today? Well, we we got the Omicron variant that seems to be putting a big wrench in everyone's plans for yeah. any kind of winter vacation. But uh, I talked to uh, Frederick Dimash, uh, I hope I got his name right, yeah. from, the, from Ryerson University. Uh, He had some really interesting stuff to say, so let's just get right into it. Hello, welcome back to the Schmavonian Report. I'm Dexter Schmavonian. A new strain of the COVID-19 virus known as the Omicron variant was discovered about a week ago in South Africa and has since popped up all over the world, prompting Israel, Morocco, and other countries to suspend all incoming air travel. The Omicron variant has confirmed cases around the world spanning from the Netherlands to Canada and even the US. For more on the subject, I talked to director of the Ted Rogers School of Hospitality and Tourism for Ryerson University, Professor Frederick Dimash, PhD. Well, you know, this is another uh, brick in the bounty with lots of ripples, lots of international ripples. As you know, in the past 24 hours, uh, there have been a number of countries that have closed their borders to African countries specifically. In addition to this, you find countries like Hong Kong closing the border to non-African countries as well, uh, such as Canada, um, and, and countries you know such as France or Canada are uh, requiring now negative PCR tests, you know, for you know people incoming into uh, into the country, which is new. You know, it's it's something that had happened a year ago, but uh, it was uh, stopped. The measure was stopped, and now it's happening again. So yes. There's a number of things going on uh, in the past few days um, that definitely will be affecting the tourism and travel sector. I'd like to mention, you you mentioned um, African countries having travel restrictions placed on them. Do you think think it's fair that these travel restrictions are specifically targeting South African countries when, even though that's where the first cases were found, that may not be the first area where it was and people seem to be strictly placing the restrictions on South Africa and other African countries. Yeah, absolutely. I, I do not think it's fair, um, and especially when you see South African countries, that's South Africa itself was the first country where they, they 
identified that new virus, or at least released the information about this identification. Um, but in some of the countries that have been boycotted also, think about Nigeria, which is not uh, in the South African uh, uh, part of, of, uh, of the continent, right? So yeah, it's totally unfair. And then there was some information yesterday that came out uh, that said that um, in the Netherlands, you know, they might have identified the virus before the South African did. So, um, you know, it's, it's definitely for the optics. Uh, I think, you know, governments who are taking measures like this want to do this to to tell their citizens, you know, look, you know, we're doing something, we, we are trying to to, uh, to close the borders, etc., etc. But on the one hand, it's very likely that the virus is already everywhere. It's been traveling for quite a while already. And, and second, it certainly isn't fair to, um, to to boycott, you know, some some countries, even the World Health Organization has, has called the governments for saying, you know, please don't do that. You know, it, it's not a, a rational way to react to, to, to the virus and it's not appropriate. So we, we had the Delta variant emerge a, a few months ago. Do you think with over a year with COVID, now that we've dealt with multiple different variants at this point. Do you think uh, countries and the international community at this point is a little more well-equipped to handle the Omicron variant than we were when, say, the Delta variant came out? For, for some of our uh, other countries, yes, of course. You know, why? Because countries are increasingly getting vaccinated. Um, you know, whether it's in Europe, whether it's in Canada, the United States, you know, most population have had at least 60% of the population vaccinated in the Western Hemisphere. This is not enough, clearly, and, and it remains a threat, as you can tell from some European countries, such as Austria, Germany, where, um, you know, the virus is growing, and here we're talking about Delta. Um, so, you know, the, the main solution, and everybody's done that for quite a long time, is, is uh, a, a good volume of the population, a very large percentage of the population getting vaccinated. And we are still on the way to achieve this. So um, in some countries, it's getting more problems than in some others. Um, I just read, for example, that, um, you know, Germany, Austria, two countries that are considering or that are implementing requirement for the whole population to be vaccinated. Why? Because it's the only solution. You know, we need to reach a level of the population where almost everyone will be vaccinated in order to control the virus. Otherwise, we are still going to see a number of um, variants, um, you know, being developed and, and growing. So, um, you know, that brings also the issue of the uh, vaccine equity. You were talking about Africa earlier. We, we know that the rate of vaccination is much lower in, in many countries, especially in many third world countries. So that's also an issue, you know, we are not going to be entirely safe until everybody is safe. Speaking of poor countries, how much do you think less well-off countries will be affected by new variants due to their the lack of availability to vaccines? Well, they're obviously going to be more exposed to, to the new variant. Now it's all a matter of, of whether the variant is in that country, how fast it's spreading, it's all about community spreading, etc., etc. So it, it, it has an impact also um, uh, on, on the type of lifestyle that people are living in different countries. So, you know, it's, it's a very complex issue. But the bottom line is, you know, 
if you are not vaccinated and if you are in a country where the rate of vaccination is very low, obviously, um, you know, these people are going to have a much higher risk of being um, uh, infected and most importantly, a much higher risk of getting sick. And, and that's really the, the, the disparity that exists between the rich countries and the poor countries. With the Omicron variant coming out, there's been sort of a new series of restrictions and travel bans. Japan closed up their borders almost immediately after opening them back up. How do you think these travel bans will affect both the individual economies of countries around the world, well as the international economy as a whole? Obviously, if you don't have travel, you know, that will affect the economy because the economy is based on international exchanges, the exchange of goods, the exchange of services, and, and the mobility of people. And we've seen that uh, in the past two years, you know, with, with the, um, the impact of, of COVID already on the world economy. So it's it's a fact. We, we, we know about this. The countries that are closing entirely the borders again are those who have made a choice in terms of um, epidemiology and public health to have a pretty much a, a zero virus policy. I mean, they don't want to see the, the, the virus in their own countries, right? It's a zero case policy. And that's why Hong Kong is, is very keen. Uh, Japan is very keen, as you say. Some of the countries like Australia and New Zealand have been doing you know, uh, the same efforts to really close onto themselves. Um, of course, their economy is going to be affected. Um, our economy has been affected also, uh, whether it's in the US or Canada, Western Europe, even though those countries we did not entirely close. Um, we, we know that we can live with the with the virus, especially if people are vaccinated, right? And, and we can live with it. And we have a, um, a, a medical system, hospital system that can take care of the people who are getting sick. Um, but once again, the, the whole thing is if we want to make sure that people are vaccinated, so that you know they they, they don't get badly sick and and run the risk of, of dying from that disease. Do you think? completely shutting your borders down is worth the potential for economic downturn or do you think have them open at least a little bit to maintain the economy make sure companies can stay afloat you know I, I don't know of any country that can live just by itself maybe with the exception of, of uh, North Korea uh, uh, but, they, but they are no country that can live on its own right we all are dependent on international trade we all are dependent on mobility and and as soon as you block that mobility obviously it's going to have an impact on and it will have an impact on the economy and people's lifestyles so there is no concern about this it seems like every time a country or I guess countries around the world try to open their borders. Eventually, at some point over the past two years, they've had to shut them right back down. Again, as I mentioned, Japan is a great example of that. Once we, it, that is if we get the Omicron variant under control, do you think there's a way to handle it so that it could be permanent and we won't have to close them right back down? when there's another breakout? Frankly, I, I don't know how we can do it differently. I mean, but, you know, blocking the borders, closing the borders is also a reaction to something that has already happened, right? It's not a prevention. Um, so when you are blocking the borders, 
typically it's already too late. Uh, the, the virus is already at home and you realize it's at home and, and you try to close the door. So, you know, imagine being in your home and you close the door, uh, you know, from uh, the, the invader basically, but then you realize that the invader is already in your home. And, and that's pretty much what has happened with COVID in, for, for, for many countries. You know, those countries that have closed the border, very often realize that well you know the covid virus is already there and it's and it's developing and multiplying through um uh, community um, um sharing basically and, and and that points to the importance of of taking some other measures it's it's about um vaccination it's about community testing it's about uh, tracing when people are being infected you know we have to trace you know to find out who could be at risk as well and the countries that have been doing that well you know with a good testing system and tracing system are the one who will control the virus when on top of that um, there is a high vaccination rate so um, you know to me blocking the borders closing the, the the planes and the trains and the cars you know from coming across is is a short-term solution it has a, a good you know, political optic basically you know it, it will uh, please you know some of the people who say oh we have to close we have to protect ourselves but it certainly is not from a public health measure it probably is not the most efficient before we wrap things up, is there any anything you'd like to say? You know, the, the, the last thing I'd like to say is that, you know, this is an epidemic that became a pandemic. Uh, and we are likely to live with it for a long time. In the same way, every year you have a new flu variant, you know, that is coming. And, and you know, we are likely to see this coronavirus uh, affecting us for years to come with multiple variants every time and um, we certainly have to to give credit to 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 the medical uh, uh, sector you know for finding solutions quite quickly when they find you know the the the, the vaccines and and you know any kind of, of efforts that they are making is, is absolutely amazing because it's been done in a very short period of time. And right now they have some people working on the Omicron virus and, and trying to find solutions to block it. So I think that we have to get used to that kind of situation. We have to get used maybe to um, to wearing, wearing masks in public. We have to get used to spending less time at work because when we do that, we limit uh, the amount of exposure in public transportation, etc. So, you know, there is a big move, you know, for people to come to work on a scale basis, to come, you know, maybe uh, three days a week, etc., etc. So, uh, I think we're going to see an increasing number of, of strategy like those to adapt to life with the virus, basically. And, and we have to be ready for this. But um, when I say that, um, and, and speci specifically in the case of, of international travel and, and borders, that doesn't mean that we have to close the borders. We cannot close the border for very long because we are dependent on international travel. But we've learned in the past months, you know, to to travel with masks and, and to be very careful with hygiene and, and, and getting tested before departure or after arrival. So the, all those are mitigation measures that can help us uh, lower the risk of getting infected and getting sick. Dr. Dimash, thank you for your time. You are welcome. I really appreciate it, Dexter. I wish you the best. 
The Omicron variant is sure to put a halt to any hopes of cleanly getting out of the pandemic this winter. However, if countries take the necessary precautions and researchers continue to find success in developing vaccines, we could be free of this pandemic sooner than you may think. For Hoster Morning Wake Up Call, I'm Dexter Shmavonian, and remember, stay shmavi. Stay in shmavi, Dexter. Always stay in shmavi. Always. We really appreciate you and all the tremendous work that you do for the morning wake-up call every right, single thanks. week. Uh, um, now, just really quickly, what were some of the, your biggest takeaways from your conversation with the doctor? Well, I, I, I'd say he, he mentioned how like he just he just doesn't know how we are supposed to, you know, get out of like actually secure the borders and close them down in a way that when we open them back up, we're not going to just be stuck in, it'll just stuck from square one. Just a state of opening and closing, opening and closing, opening and closing. that's, That's true, basically, because Omicron came to be one flight, essentially, all of a sudden just reignited everything back from the get go. Well, I mean, we're going to be talking about it. Uh, we're going to talk about the state of Michigan sooner, but I don't know if you re- recall the University of Michigan where they, they didn't have a COVID outbreak, but they had a super spreader flu event at their university. And within one day of getting the, the flu reported, 500 kids got sick by within 24 hours. So, like, I, like, it is, and then they had to go and play Penn State. The only reason I know about this is because I have friends from Penn State who have been, who, like, Penn State got wrecked because... The Michigan people came, and they they had people who were sick. I mean, that's the thing about COVID, though, because people are so focused on it that sometimes we forget that other illnesses exist. Yeah, it's uh no, you you bring up an excellent point. Um, well, we've talked about sexual assault allegations. We talked about the Omicron variant. Let's talk about abortion, Aceville. Uh, just continuing to round out hot button issues on the morning wake up call. Um. This is probably something to look at down the line, but this was a report that came out of ABC News uh, just last night. It would appear that the Mississippi abortion law will be taken in under consideration by the Supreme Court. Uh, once again, the, this is like a direct challenge to Roe versus Wade, the 1973 ruling. Um, and this would essentially allow states to ban abortion much earlier in the pregnancy once again this is uh a it just becomes further and further down the line of elections have consequences and appointments have consequences um i think that if we look at it within this article there is a justice who is quoted or i believe the solicitor general of mississippi um claim that this is very similar to Plessy versus Ferguson in terms of it being a wrong court decision, which, yeah, sure, Plessy versus Ferguson was, was wrong. But to, to compare school segregation to abortion seems a little bit out of left field for me, Sibyl. Yeah, I mean, it isn't a, it's not the best comparison, no. but... <laughs> But it has been, you know, in the past year, it has been um, kind of rough to see how, like, abortion, like, something that, you know, took so long for women to finally get the right to do. Like, it's, like, it's been so threatened, like, yeah. that right. 
for yeah. like especially the past year. I mean, all like always like you know it's in question, but I feel like this is like the most. Um, I don't know. This feels like the most dramatic point in mm-hmm. like the the discussion of Roe v. Wade and how illegal or how limited the rights of like women getting abortions would be. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I do understand what you mean about the comparison. Yeah, uh, that was just something that stood out to me. Let yeah. me get let me dive in a little bit more. Um, but when it comes to this uh, this case, all our Supreme Court fans know that most decisions come out in the summertime. So look for June to, to be the timeline as to when uh, we get an actual decision on this. But uh, a name who many people might remember, Brett Kavanaugh, was put on the record on this um, was put on the record on this topic, in which he described that it shouldn't be the Supreme Court's decision to hold abortion; uh, and it should be left up to the states or to Congress, something along those lines. Because the answers in Alabama are going to be different from the answers in California, the answers in Pennsylvania are going to be different from the answers in Utah. Right. Yeah, man, that's great. That's so <laughs> great that different states have different ideologies. But you know what? Like, if certain states don't have the same health restrictions or the same set of standards for when it comes to practicing safe abortion, then people are going to get hurt. People are going to die. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if there is not access to abortion, then it forces people to go uh, to a lesser standard of abortion. And so I would argue that if you're living in Alabama and Alabama bans abortion, what, so you're just supposed to go all the way up north, like get to like Virginia or something like that, just so you can get your abortion? Like, it, or you exactly. force yourself to staying in that state and putting yourself in a medically compromised situation. Yeah, I mean, this is, you know, this is that conversation again that we're having like from when, was it Texas that like made it that you can't get, like you have, you can't get an abortion in the state. And if you, and if you like, you know, if someone reports you, like, yep. if they win that case, they could get $10,000 for yep. reporting you. It's you know, turning people against each other. Yeah, and then, again, there was that, like, thing about, like, we're going to see that trend in, like, the 70s where women were, like, going to very, very unsafe measures to do, like, self-abortions or, like, you know, um, underground abortions, and they were having, like, insane health effects. Like, people were dying. And yes. It's like if you it's history repeating itself or like, you know, it's about to repeat itself. Also, if, you know, let's say that conservatives, for the most part, Mm -hmm. are big on bodily autonomy. Right. Like that was that's been the big thing for the past like six months. My body, my choice. I don't need to wear a mask. I don't need to wear a vaccine. But yet you can turn around and then say that this person should have to carry to the term, carry to term of their pregnancy. No, I like I, I like it's just it's hypocritical. Yeah, I do I do see like the hypocrisy because there has been like a lot of conservatives my body my choice in terms of masks in terms of of um getting a vaccine and then it's like unless you're a woman or unless you're someone with a female anatomy yeah. then like it's not your choice. Yeah. Um and I get to have an opinion on that, but if it if it's about keeping like the safety of others um you know <laughs> my body my choice when it's not just their body their choice but i'm not yeah. gonna get into COVID, no because you're exactly like, right because yeah you know at the end of the day right this is what will be the talking point on fox news uh, that all these liberals want to force you to get vaccines 
but you know they we can't we can't make mandates on abortion we can't control people in that way and, and eventually when this you know i i would argue that i think that they will they could easily upend uh roe v wade by june um you know there's a 6-3 majority on the supreme court right now uh three of which you know are were appointed within the last couple of years um this is this is big. Like I would say that it's not big right now, but like I'm glad that we're talking about this to this point because hopefully this prepares uh, our listeners for for what's to come in in, in the next couple months. Which I said yeah. like June uh, is probably when we're gonna get an estimate. Um, the Supreme Court's also still hearing that Texas case. By the way, this was about uh, they heard the arguments from Mississippi yesterday. Um, you know, both of these. Uh, like they're gonna have to, they're gonna have to answer a lot of questions about, um, you know, these, these elements. Um, you know, Amy Coney Barrett said that there were so-called safe haven laws in all 50 states that allow mothers to relinquish parental rights, meaning women can't be forced into motherhood, which would limit employment and other opportunities. Um, you know, from that perspective, right? If there were safe haven laws then, you know, are you just doing this to, for the sake of getting a, a win? Or are you doing this uh, for, because it seems to me like if you overturn Roe v. Wade and you still have these safe haven laws that Amy Coney Barrett's describing, then women will still be fine. You know what I mean? Like, I, like to me, that just seems something fishy. Like, I don't, like, I feel like the, a hard stance on abortion doesn't allow this, like, lead way. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. All right, well... Uh, I don't know if you have any other opinions on on this story. I mean, it's it's yeah, abortion. I, I'm sure it's gonna come up again. Um, yes. But I don't really have anything else to say right now. It's just you know a very disappointing time for women again. But yeah. Well, let's let us talk about this uh, this heartbreak in suburban Detroit. Uh, Thursday, uh, there was a school shooting. Um, one of the, you know, honestly, it's going to sound bad, but, like, with the amount of kids who have been online and in online school, like, I almost forgot about school shootings. Yeah. Like, there were, like, 234 school shootings in, like, somewhere around, like, 2017 to 2018. Like, that's... Mm-hmm. That's a lot, and now like we're barely getting any, which is like good, but that just means that kids aren't in school anymore. Um, yeah, I mean it's unfortunate that like, you know, just because kids are in school, that's the reason for <clears throat> a sudden like, you know, we're bringing back school shootings. But like just to inform like the listeners, you know, why we're talking about school shootings. So, um, multiple school districts in Michigan are shutting down their schools after a school shooting. That occurred at, um, in the st- in the state at Oxford High School. The shooting left four people dead. Um, the suspect was identified as Ethan Crumbly. He's 15. Um, he was identified on Wednesday. He was charged as an adult with four counts of first degree murder, one count of terrorism, um, seven counts of assault with intent to murder, and 12 counts of possession of a firearm in the commission of a felony. Since the shooting, there has apparently been an abundance of new threats, and these schools are deciding to shut down out of caution. But this was just a very heartbreaking 
very heartbreaking story. Um, I don't know if you've seen uh, any videos online of like, I saw this one video on TikTok of this one kid. He was taking a video of the classroom. Yeah, oh my God, I've seen, I know exactly the video you're talking about. Yeah, and then, you know, they hear a knock on the door and it's, they hear, oh, you're safe to come out now. So the school shooter was trying to pretend to be... um, Law enforcement. Yeah, he was trying to pretend to be law enforcement. You know, fortunately, the teacher and the students were like, we're not prepared to take that risk right now because it's suspicious that all of a sudden they're like, you can come out now. Um, And then, like, all of a sudden the the dude says, like, something like, you know, come on, bro. He used the word bro um, to get them to come out. And the kids were like, he said bro, he said bro. Thank goodness for that you know, mistake on the school shooter's part. They went out the window, but I, oh my God, I like cried seeing that video because it was so like tragic to see like these children having to like, you know, use their smarts at school, but not for the purpose of education, for the purpose of trying literally running for their lives. Yeah, and there were multiple reports about this person uh, leading up to the event. And there were, uh, n- there was no source for the original threat. However, there it's since come out that there have been meetings between school administrators and this child, um, but nothing was done about it. Um, once again, the school will be closed for the rest of the week. Um, and like you mentioned, that there are other schools who are who are closing out of the d- the day of morning week of morning. Um, you know, ultimately. This says one of two things to me. That these kids are trained, and, like, that's great. And, like, mm-hmm. I appreciate that. Like, I like, I like, I'm sure that it's helpful for, for students to be able to know what to do in those types of situations. Um, however, the fact that, like, man, like, bro is the indicator. Like, that's, like, yeah. that's hard. That's that's extremely difficult for me to, like, to, to grapple with. I, um, you know, okay. I... When yeah, was the last time a cop called you bro? Yeah, that's true. Like, yeah. That's it's just that like I get like I get the point that Eddie's making like it's like sad that they had to be so vigilant and like you know, fortunately for that bro thing, but apparently like the gun that was used um was bought by his dad on Four Black days Friday. Four, right? Yeah, like on Black Friday, but I think that like raises some like concerns about like um you know, gun control. You want seventy percent off your firearms? Come on down yeah, to the like to, to <laughs> Skeezy's gun barrel range. I mean, I I get just like if you having like a shotgun or like a like a hunting, hunting rifle. rifle or maybe just like like a like a like a pistol or something just to if you're going around in a dangerous area or something, tr- someone tries to mug you and like, yeah. hey, right back at you. But like. <laughs> But I don't know. I'm, to bring I'm, it to school, like that's a yeah. like that's a whole yeah. other thing. And I'm like also like assault rifles, they're called assault rifles for a reason. Yeah. They are meant for a military assault, not for, you know, you to have in your living room. Because if someone breaks into your house, the the only reason why you'd ever use like a machine gun is because you have one and have no other no better situations where you can use it. Yeah, I yes. mean, I'm very anti-gun all around. I do understand that people have rights. But I do think that, you know, this is a case where, yet again, we're seeing that maybe people, not maybe, like I said, I'm anti-gun, but people have too many rights when it comes to guns. And like Dexter was saying, like, 
the type of guns that people are using they should never need um and like i don't know how we can like keep seeing this happen like this is something that's unique to the u.s it is not normal for school shootings to be such a common occurrence in other countries so when you see that how can like how is it that it's so hard for us to get gun control when you see that children literally children are dying at the hands of other children because there's an issue with the way that we are um you know mandating the gun laws yeah um you know i i'm sort of in the middle when it comes to like gun laws like i think that you know i I get the argument that of of wanting to arm like uh of wanting to arm people and like people who want to have their own arms um I think that it falls under a lethality fatality scale for me. Like, yes, guns kill. Yes, guns can hurt people. Um, but a you know semi-automatic, semi-automatic versus fully automatic rifle is gonna be a big difference. You know, there was the bump stock ban. Um, so it's like there have been. It's like we just get little nuggets, and like mm-hmm. it it sucks. And I think. Th- you know, obviously the NRA spilling in money to Congress helps this, but I think overall, I, I I'm sort of in the middle, but also at the same time, like what four days Black Friday, and then this kid goes, you know, mm-hmm. four days later, and and then you know, I just I don't get it. I don't get it. Um, yeah. I think what something we should also be concerned about is not only that people have so much access to guns, but why are there so many murderous psychopaths around? All yeah, of a that's true. Yeah. Um, and I think that that, I, I would argue, and this is a conversation for another day, that that's a, that's a class thing. That like, you know, people who are lower income, lower, lower in the class of society, they're gonna tend to be more violent. Like, you know what I mean? You steal bread to feed your family, like a Jean Valjean, like type of deal. Um, and so, I mean, granted, not the greatest analogy, but uh, I, I think so. That, yeah, I think I think that's where I'm at. Uh, yeah. Let's uh, let's end on a little bit of a lighter note, Sabil. We do we might end the show a little bit early. Um, just okay. chill out. Uh, enjoy the Friday. But you know, Guinness World Record says that Curry PC World earned the largest washing machine pyramid when it arranged appliances into a pyramid measuring 44 feet tall. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? It is pretty crazy. That's super cool. <laughs> I love that. I, I think that that's good. Also, in some weird news, um, in New Mexico, there was animal control that was called out to uh, talk about, to wrangle some loose pigs oh, that were in. Uh, you I know, was going to be the I, boar I know. I, I know. Listen, boars. you guys know me. I'm a big <laughs> boar guy, and you know I can't leave without some loose pig or some boar news. Um, yeah, let me actually see if there's any more boar news that we need to update the people on. Um, <laughs> you should get a pet boar. Just. I don't know where you'd buy a boar, but just, you should get one and just have it, like, around your house. Just. So Rome's mayor is taking the regional government to court over what it says is, it's, is the administration's failure to control the boar evasion in Rome. Oh, no. Yeah. Dude, like, that's what I'm talking about. Oh. These boars are overtaking ancient Rome? 
I, yeah, I, and these things are so ugly. Like no I know. Offense, no offense to boars. I'm not trying to offend the boar community, but like to have like these things like running around. Oh, and they're so aggressive. And they and, we talked about it before. They still they attack Shakira. <laughs> like these things are that, ruthless, that, man. That, that that was they crossed the line there. You yeah. Know? Uh-huh. But you you attack Shakira and exactly we're gonna have a problem. Exactly. Uh, in all honesty, though, I, I know, like, animals overrunning a city is technically a bad thing, but there's something about boars just conquering Rome, essentially, that, makes it that okay. is just so hilarious. It, it you really know? is. But it's a problem, and so we need to think about it. Yeah, it, it's a problem, <laughs> so let's be serious about it and, uh, you know, not laugh. The way I don't know how I would react if I saw this thing charging at me. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Nobody oh. knows what's going at you until that boar comes. I'm like looking at pictures of them as we speak. And I, I love just... it. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. They, they, they may be like they may be small like a pig, but I those things can definitely Are they mess small? you up. I, I think I think they're a little bigger than pigs, but okay. I don't think they're huge, <laughs> but yeah. they're they're tough. You know, they can wrangle you up a bit. We love the boar news. Uh, that I think, unless anybody else is anything for the good of the order, we might head out of here a little bit early, get some get some rest back in our lives. Um, yeah, Sibyl, any final closing thoughts? Um, I don't think so. <laughs> hide your kids, hide your wives. Boars are coming for you. That's what mm-hmm. I got. Uh, Dexter, anything from you? Uh, not much, you know. Uh, stay schmavi. Stay schmavi. Dang and, right. Uh, Dang right. Uh, I hope your food's like, schmavalicious. Yeah. In the words of my father, go be good out there. Go learn something, ladies and gentlemen. We'll see you all next week.